0: Welcome to Untangling Christianity, episode number 15. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl, confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. This week, we're taking a look back at 2013 and a look forward to 2014. We hope you'll come along for the conversation. You can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 15 or over at iTunes, entanglingchristianity.com slash iTunes. You'll also find related notes and links for this episode in the same place. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith, And we're here to take a look back at 2013, a look ahead to 2014, and whatever else comes up along the way. 2013 has been an interesting year. We launched this podcast in September. September of 2013, uh, using material that we had recorded almost well a year or more before that. I think we started in August of 2012. Greg and I recorded different episodes of uh, our thoughts and reflections on Not a Fan. And if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you've been seeing some of those. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about how that process is going, what we're thinking of doing next. I got a big pile of books here on my desk that we might go through someday. And I think each each week that we do this, things kind of take new and different directions that we hadn't anticipated or hadn't planned. And that's kind of the fun part about this. Mm-hmm. So even last week, or this past week, we were talking about, Greg, you dug up... What were you, what did you dig up? It was uh, Charles Spurgeon Oh
1: yeah, look at that, huh? Yeah, I've got I've got CH Spurgeon's catechism. I had no idea that this guy was a, so so he was a uh, a Baptist minister in the United Kingdom in the late 19th century, so 1860s through I don't know 1890s, he was he was preaching. I didn't know it was quite that early. I thought it was early 20th century. So I've got his catechism here, and a catechism really is just, you know, a catechism is designed to make things easier and clearer for you, right? So it's a sort of a step-by-step um, <clears throat> question. It's a Q and A. It's it's like it's, it's like an FAQ, right? Document for for a a, a faith or a uh, a belief system, you know. So it starts off, and bear in mind this is coming from the late nineteenth century, right? And I think they've just. They haven't tried to update the wording. They're just This is all Spurgeon, so whatever we, we may think of the wording, it's, for, it's not very gender, gender neutral. Uh, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And then he answers that. And the second question, what rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? And he answers that one, and he goes through, and there's some 80-some-odd 80, 80 some of these things.
0: so That could give us a lot of stuff to discuss.
1: <laughs> i want this is this is on my horizon for next okay year. okay we i think we have to do you know and it's 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 micro it's it's so thin like really he's got these 82 q and a's it's 32 pages and i wouldn't hit them all
0: well but no. well i think the most the more interesting thing that came out of you were we were talking we were throwing this around earlier in the week and i commented that my perception and, and experience of Christian circles is that Spurgeon is one of those guys you can't touch that he's, I mean, I think some people will put him up there with Augustine and any of the other early <laughs> church fathers as, you know, this is a person that is to be revered and got it right. And that reminded me of A.W. Tozer. Mm. And, and I don't, I don't know how we got on this, but I had the book, The Knowledge of the Holy on my shelf, and I pulled it off the shelf, and I started thumbing through it. And uh, then I realized I had two of his other books, uh, Seeking, I don't remember what the other, there are two other ones that are fairly popular. Right. And flipping through the notes in that book, it was amazing. Some of these notes were from 1992, raising some of the same questions that you and I are still throwing around today about, you know, my experience of God and where is he and what does all this mean? And these and, are your personal notes from 1992. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Questions are like where is God and why doesn't this work? And yeah. um, so anyway, it was interesting to start talking about Tozer and realizing, wait a minute. I remember trying to read this book and not understanding it and feeling like the fact that I didn't understand it meant that it was so profound and so amazing that I just couldn't quite grasp it. <laughs> But then but then as you and I started to walk through some of the chapters it's like wait a minute, I Okay, again, I I would put and I don't know if this is true or not, but I would put Tozer in the same category as Spurgeon, someone that is pretty much like unquestioned. I mean, of course he got it right. He was AW Tozer and he's been around well, he's passed away, but he, he's, his his works have been out there for a long, long time. I think Knowledge of the Holy was published in 1961. Yeah. And so anyway, I think there could be a whole, I don't know if we want to get into that today, but I just thought, like, who would have ever thought that we would end up in some of those books? But I think what you and I were finding is we are well, you can find, by the way, you can find Knowledge of the Holy on the internet. The whole book is available. Yeah. And I think as we talked, we realized, or maybe you already realized, the notions in books like Knowledge of the Holy, maybe Spurgeon as well, form a whole, they seem to form a whole foundation of understanding of what Christianity is and relationship with God is, that then inform messages in books like Not a Fan and other books that we're kind of dismayed with. That's,
1: uh, yeah, I think you're dead on there.
0: So I kind of all that to say, you know, we where will we head? We don't know. So we've been going through chapter if you've been following the podcast from the beginning, you'll notice that there's a pattern. Uh, and that pattern is uh some weeks we do a chapter of not a fan, sometimes we do a couple of them back to back, sometimes we don't. And what I'm doing there, I'm kind of the engineer behind the scenes publishing these things is we're weaving in an older Recording we did of our discussion of not a fan with a more recent conversation around either a related topic or something else. So one thing as we grow this, as we hope it grows, and we hope that more people listen and interact. We've had two commenters on our block, much appreciated. We're hoping for more. Um, we do have some visibility into um, listenership. Now they're totally anonymous, so don't worry, anyone listening out there, we're not. We're not stalking you. We don't know who you are. We'd like to know who you are. So looking at the provider for the uh, audio files, the MP3s themselves, we can see that we're getting some pretty decent download numbers. Uh, considering do we that we just started in late September, mm. um, I think in December, a couple of days ago in December, we had 45 downloads in one day. Now, yeah. we, we're not naive enough to think that that's 45 people. And in this, in the uh, podcasting stats world, stats are a little murky. So we, up to now we have 13 or 14 episodes. One person signing up for iTunes and saying download all the episodes counts as, say, 13 downloads. So that's really only one person. So we don't have a sense as to how many people we have out there. We'd love to know who you are. We'd love to know what do you think so far? Is this working for you? Does, you know, I think we're up to chapter five or six and not a fan. Are you like every time you see another not a fan podcast, do you want to poke your eyeballs out or, or not listen to that <laughs> episode? Like, are you guys sick of what we're doing with not a fan? Or you're thinking, no, this is helpful. You guys are on the right track. Keep going. So he and, he and all thoughts, uh, we welcome comments at the website. Mm -hmm. Um, for a particular episode if you're not a comment on the website type person you prefer a little more anonymity totally cool we have an email address it's called feedback at untanglingchristianity.com send us anything there um we'll see what we can do with it
1: yeah and and, and another thing to note too is that we write our show notes um you know really just before we publish so it gives us a chance to uh Listen to material again, especially if it's uh, not a fan material. Which, as John mentioned, we might have recorded a year ago. I mean, probably not that now. We're probably eight months ago, nine months ago. But it's it's out of memory. You know, I don't recall the content any longer. And it has been surprising. I, I have been very pleasantly surprised at the quality of the interactions we've had. And I think, if we
0: do it, say so ourselves,
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard for people to know, but I mean, like, I know that you and I are both really hard markers of ourselves, and, and it's very easy for me, maybe too easy, to um, be a little bit too critical of my own thought or work or whatever, and it's, it, I've still been continually surprised. I've still been like, wow, this, there's a lot of good content here.
0: So what do you think, what are some of your favorite episodes? Like if someone, say say this episode, episode number... I think this will be sixteen. Sixteen? No, fifteen. No, I'm sorry. This will be episode number fifteen. So, if episode fifteen is someone's first episode, and they're like, "Who are these two yahoos?" Um, How would we get them off on the best foot? What would you say are some of our best episodes to date? Um, you know, I like. So I,
1: you know, you know, and it's it's hard to keep even that whole gamut of um, fourteen in my head, but I like five. Eight, and I think uh, Twelve, Thirteen, and Fourteen, you know, they all kind of, those ones are the highlights for me, and I'm probably just not remembering. I like Eleven, and too. Did yeah, you? I
0: think Five, I would, I think Five gave maybe one of the best kind of uh, biographical sketches of. I think it was more your background than mine. But it I think it okay. does a good job of kind of laying the back like where are these guys coming from and and why are they going about what they're doing here. So Right. Yeah. So and all those are easily identified at the website if you're trying to find them. If you don't want to like listen in iTunes or whatever, we are available on iTunes. But if you just wanna go directly to the website, anytime we talk about an episode number, it's just the website, untangling dot com slash the number. We'll just take you right there. So no need right. to Google, I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. So yeah. I've got a pile of books here on my desk that we, as I mentioned, so we're, we, we've we been going chapter by chapter through Not a Fan and publishing those. Then we ended up on Spurgeon's Catechism, Knowledge of the Holy by Tozer. Mm-hmm. And then recently we've been discussing and recording, and eventually those will come out. We're tr- as we, as we kind of publish the, the backlog of stuff we have, hopefully we'll also become more and more current. Um, so other books that we're discussing, uh, Misunderstood God by Darren Hufford. Yep. Um, a few others that we picked up, but I don't know that we've done much with or anything with, was uh, David Platt's Follow Me, uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. I think we mentioned him a little bit.
1: Yeah, he's come in a couple times, but not much.
0: Also, and these are what, what's kind of funny about these is I don't know how that they all tie together. Another one that somehow got in the mix was Max Lucado's Fearless. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, uh, and we've got Jerry Bridges, the, the, the 1988 classic Trusting God. That's, that's come up once or twice.
0: As well as, I found this, oh, I found this used at the library for a couple bucks. I couldn't believe it. Brendan Manning's The Ragamuffin Gospel. Oh, yeah. That is, an, it is uh, quite a contrast to, say, uh, Chan or Platt or Idleman, mm-hmm. who wrote Not a Fan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then I've got The Road Less Traveled here. We've been occasionally referencing M. Scott's Peck's section on love. Yeah, you
1: know, and I almost feel like <clears throat> on the one hand, we're we're working through different books. But on the other hand... If I can put it almost in academic terms, I wonder if we shouldn't kind of focus almost on like – you could call it a broad topic or you could call it like a research project. And I'm thinking research project because there's just – like for some of these discussions, I know I really have to be digging into a lot of books. I really have to kind of pay attention to a lot of different perspectives if I'm going to have enough – be rounded enough on the subject – to kind of augment what I know now in a, in the most positive and, and valuable direction. So, and I'm wondering if yeah, if we could talk about some of what we might want as topics or research projects for the coming year.
0: Yeah, so go for it. What what are you thinking? Like as it, like say this is a year from now and we're talking. What what do you think or hope we will have covered?
1: Oh man, if we could have covered. You know, so again, my main focus here, right, in terms of, and it's, it's in our, it's in the, the tagline for the blog, um, love and truth, the role of love and truth in Christianity, the role of love and truth in human existence, and that those are central. They're, uh, as I would frame it, co-central. So for me to be able sometime in the next year, at this time next year to say, hey, you know, we've really started digging into this whole idea of love. What is love? And why is it important? And how does it function? What does it look like? What are its various different faces or presentations? That would be fantastic. I would really love to kind of uh, dig into that because I think it's, uh, like it's just coming out so often when I'm speaking and it's so f- uh, central. In what I'm, you know, I'm looking through the books and as we talked about with Idleman and not a fan, one of the things I found lacking, in fact, the main thing, I kept looking for more about love. And being dissatisfied because I wasn't finding it or on the couple and their rare occasions when it's there, I was like, you know, to quote you, I was, huh? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about here? This, there's something, there's something, something smells fishy with this presentation of love he's giving me. And
0: either that or just didn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. True.
1: So that that would be the big one for me. And if I was to throw a book in that we haven't mentioned so far, um, I heard this woman speak in Vancouver in 2008, just after her book was released. And I have her book here. It's called With or Without God. And the subtitle is Why the Way We Live is More Important Than What We Believe. And her name is Greta Vosper. And she is big, big, big in the – progressive Christian movement. Um, She's Canadian, but I believe she holds a position in more than just a sort of a Canadian center. She's uh, been very well regarded by a lot of people in that movement. And uh, this plays into the love and truth thing, because I think what I've been seeing a lot and what I typically do see, because I'm reading more evangelical material, I'm seeing this emphasis on truth over love. And I'm critical of that. And if I was to cut back the other way and say, if you were to say to me, well, what's, what's an example of love over truth? Do you ever see that? I would say yes. And I would say that Greta Vosper is an example, offers us an example of that. And we can kind of compare and contrast these two perspectives.
0: What was the name of the title? That title, I think, would sound scandalous to some people.
1: I think it would. With or without God.
0: No, what was this, the tag? It was the tagline that was more... Ah, yeah. The ta-
1: so, so the subtitle is why the way we live is more important than what we believe. And it's Greta with two T's, Vosper, V-O-S-P-E-R, published in 2008.
0: That's interesting because, huh. yeah, I, I think many people would say, well, you can't live a certain way unless you believe a certain way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting proposition. I actually put a question to her.
0: Really? Did she, she answer it?
1: Well, she's a very good speaker. She's very, very good. And by that, I don't mean that just she presents well, but I think speakers are just, if you're a good speaker, you're always on the balls of your feet. You're always, you know, you're never flat-footed when it comes to something, and I'm, you know, using metaphors here, um, or analogies, I suppose. Uh, well, me- me- speaking metaphorically, I guess. But she, I tried to make my question really approachable, and it was somewhat philosophical, and... um she made a joke about, you know, philosophers, and da, 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 and we and she didn't answer the question. And uh, <laughs> my my hunch was she didn't want to answer the question. That was my hunch, you know, because it's all it's I, I'm I like a joke too, and it was also not an academic environment. So I thought to myself, okay, well, fair enough. Maybe I'm not her ideal audience, and uh, I didn't on that particular night really need to push my point at all because. I was pretty satisfied. I was just sort of wondering what she would say. So she said something that was okay for me. I wasn't really, you know, bugged, but no, she didn't answer the question. So there's that. There's the the whole Love and Truth piece. I'd love to continue with a couple more of these books, like digging into plant to to plat a little bit. And I think I might like to sample I think it might be cool if we sap- sampled Platt and Chan. I think Hufford is somebody I'd really like to read th- all the way through, kind of like we did with Not a Fan. We do- I don't think we need to do chapter by chapter, but I, I would like to read all his chapters and-, and, if necessary, do them all, and maybe, if not, then group some
0: of them together. Yeah, th- no, that's fair. And that's some feedback I'd like to get. Do people like the chapter by chapter, and are they able to, to get anything out of those episodes without having read the book. I'd like to think, in my own humble opinion, listening to the episodes, you these themes, at least if you've lived in or around evangelical Christianity, I feel like these themes are common enough that people can relate to them. And so hopefully there's something to be gleaned from the episodes, even if you haven't read the book. But I'd be curious if people... Well, let us know, like, Mm -hmm. do you feel, do you feel somewhat alienated from the podcast or unable to listen to them? Because like, you know, I haven't read the book. I really don't want to hear you guys go page by page and refer to page 21 and uh, this, that and the other thing. So (laughs) that's, I'd I'd like some, that's some feedback I'd like, I'd be curious to hear. Yeah. You know,
1: and I wonder too, if if those who, it would be, and if, if people do have that feedback, I would wonder for those who say, you know, it's just great to hear you guys. Kind of, I, I'm really finding value maybe in you guys uh, uh, going through the book and taking it from your perspective. I would wonder to what degree those listeners would categorize themselves as people who are kind of um, on the margins of Christianity, who are finding evangelical Christianity in particular to be troublesome, or um, you know, confusing, or you know, hey, I'm doing this for a while and it's not working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, versus just somebody who said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm just kind of curious. I don't have, really have any issues or problems with Christianity. But it's – because I, I guess I wonder if you and I are taking it from the perspective of people who have had – I mean, I have had those problems you are currently having. Them. I guess I still have them, right? I, I don't – I still find that to be some, some viewpoints within evangelical Christianity. The ones we're being critical of, I, I, I am still critical of. I do think they're problematic. So it'd be interesting to see if people, most of the people, are responding warmly or receptively to our style. If it's because they have a similar, they would put themselves in a similar spot in terms of self-identification, you know, with Christianity.
0: Well, I this just popped into my head. I wonder if we would ever have the ability to read a book together. Like, together, I mean, you and me— but maybe the wider audience where we might pick a book in advance and let people know. And then
1: that's a cool idea.
0: I don't know quite how we would do that, but uh, I would, and and, you know, I'll throw this out there too. If there are people out there that want to get on the podcast and talk with us, we're open to that too. That's just what I was going to say. That's you just, just what I'm all thinking. You have to, <laughs> all you have to have is Skype. That's, that's kind of the int- – and, and a microphone that doesn't sound like you're in the bathtub or something. But, you know, just <laughs> – <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how we could – so that's, that's another thing, idea that I'd be totally willing to throw around too is how do we, how do we make this more than just the two of us talking about – like how could we include more people in a conversation – Mm-hmm. about whatever we're reading or thinking about.
1: Yeah. And I think too, you, you also mentioned at one point the idea of <clears throat> approaching some of the authors we're reading. You know, and I I think um obviously the, the more favorable favorable <laughs> we are towards the author, the more likely I think the author's gonna be yeah. willing to kind of say, Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm you know, gonna I'm interested. So I mean we're both I think I think it seems like we're both very favorable of Darren Hufford. I mean, I, I, I'm critical about certain things. Be, it's be, sort of because it's like, oh, why isn't this there? Why is it that way and not this way? But generally, I th- so I mean, having Darren on or something like that would be, somebody like that would be, uh, I think that would be cool too. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, two others. I forgot, two other books I forgot to mention. The Shack. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Which I'm in my second. I got an, another copy at the library. I don't know why I mention it. Anyway, I have a copy and I'm reading it through a second time over the past several months, and I'm heavily underlining and writing anything that jumps out at me. So nice. I don't know. I don't know how how we would might go about discussing that book, but I think it 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 definitely casts a fresh look at who God is and how. God hmm. works, and what it all really looks like from a much different perspective than historically uh, we may have heard. And then related to that, so the author of the shack is uh, Paul Young, was also had some assistant writing assistance writing it by Wayne Jacobson and Brad Cummings. And Wayne Jacobson hmm. wrote another book that I really like and feel like I got a lot out of but would like to go through with you. It's called He Loves Me. And the focus in this book is much more on how much God loves us and wants to be in relationship with us versus some of the other books that we've read, which are more about everything that we need to be doing or should be doing or should stop doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like
1: that. Yeah, those sound like good books. I mean, I've got a copy of the Shack, and I have to admit, it's in my um, nice to read soon pile. <laughs> so.
0: I would recommend it just as a like. I mean, I read a chapter before I go to bed, like just just kind really? of like yeah, it's it's, and I always have a pen nearby because they I in my opinion they always say something kind of profound. Okay, uh, just a funny way of yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I, I yeah, I recommend it just as a general read. Nice. Okay. Well, that's an idea. Yeah. And what's uh, funny about the shack is I heard Hufford mentioning recent, on a recent podcast of his he was talking to someone that he often finds that the shack is kind of a, a litmus test for whether someone is going to be kind of more on his agreement, more, more in line with his thinking or not. In other words, he is his experience, and I think this is in my limited experience, is, is also true, too. People that read The Shack and are just like, Whoa probably are going to be more in line with uh, Eidelman and some of these other guys. Right. And people that read The Shack and say, oh, what a breath of fresh air, are on a, seem to be on a much different track.
1: It, uh, and I, I, I have a question coming out of that. Yeah. And I want to add that to this idea of research project. Maybe, maybe, maybe... Maybe this is like an overarching research project. I would love to talk about and think about and read books about the boundary between those two groups of people and what it means for that boundary to be permeable. How people cross from one group to the other group. What's involved in that?
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah. I'm really interested in that. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it happens, but I'm also sure it doesn't happen very often. And so. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, I would say my hunch is it's probably pretty rare. Uh, I mean, for instance, in the shack, God is a woman. Uh huh. Which just, yeah, (laughs) for some people, for people that have grown up in the church and everything, you know, God is always referred to in the masculine sense. And right. as you've said several times, God is neither she or he.
1: Or both and more.
0: Yeah. Now, Jesus was a man. We I, we know that from history. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's just – I don't know that I can put them into words, but there are just so many different constructs in this book that I can just see it pushing people's buttons. P- pushing people's buttons that – I was going to say that aren't open, but I think that's that's not what I want to say. It, maybe people that are looking for a different way of knowing or experiencing God, or maybe if the way that they've known and experienced Him or not known and experienced Him isn't working. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess that's our.
1: Uh, I guess if we were to identify a target group, that's the target group we're kind of really focusing on here.
0: Yeah, and I'm in that group. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm part of the, and I mean, I come from a business marketing background, and and one of the the ideas of a, of creating a startup or a new business idea is to create something that you that you can't find yourself in the mm-hmm. market or that you would really enjoy, mm-hmm. and so that's one of the motivations for doing this. This is me doing something that I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And also trying to find answers that I'm also looking for. So I mean, if we get back to the the question of you know 2014, we get to the end of it. Where are we at? For me, it's more more experiences of God and glimpses of love and what it means, and not and and maybe not so much the cognitive, but more of the experiential and and emotional level.
1: Yeah, well, that would that would be cool to hear about too, and see kind of how that that plays out well I have I have two I have two more books here and and you know uh, a wish list is a wish list right I mean I I (laughs) I how many but you have I think you have twice as many books as I do but (laughs) well I don't know I have I have two others that I think it would be cool to kind of touch on and maybe you know they won't make it onto any podcasts in 2014 maybe they will First book is uh, called The Day Metallica Came to Church by John Van Sloten. The subtitle is Searching for the Everywhere God in Everything. Searching for the Everywhere God in Everything. He ties it into some stuff that's very, um, that goes back a good ways in terms of Christian formation. He, He ties some of this into, for example, Calvin's notion of the sensus divinitatis, the sense of the divine, that Calvin would postulate. Uh, and, and I'm saying this loosely because I, I, my reading of Calvin doesn't include a uh, dense reading of this notion, but the general idea is that people have a sense of the, design, the divine, that, that God has put this kind of, uh, not like a homing beacon, but just the an God-shaped awareness. shaped hole? No, that's more like a kind of that's that's more like Pascal. Um, Calvin was more saying, I, I think, and you know, I, again, this is one of those ones. The reason this is further down on my list is because I, I have some opinions on some of this stuff, uh, some of the stuff he's written, and uh, it's a little more academic. And uh, like the book itself isn't academic, but some of the stuff that underlies each one of these chapters is. And I would want to dig, dig into that. Like, I would want to go and make sure I've got a good sense of Calvin. I want to really kind of have a fresh, recent reading of this idea. But, anyways, he's, it's not as scandalous, I think, as, you, as, as it might be imagined. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, and, and Metallica, this guy is, is in Alberta, he's in Calgary, so he's not far from me at all. And he, uh, Metallica came to his church. Really? Yeah, they heard, they said Metallica was in town, I guess, they were on tour, and they heard that he was going to be speaking on uh, God, like, basically, um, the, the, I don't know if it's the gospel through, as seen through Metallica, or uh, about Metallica and Christianity, and they said, uh, can we come, and can we bring the film crews? And he was totally skeptical, and he basically said, yeah, sure, and they did, and they did.
0: And I don't know anything about Metallica. I'm assuming they're not Christians. And I, don't I hear, think so. I, <laughs> I, I think like extreme heavy metal band, they live and party like rock stars. But th- that's just an assumption on my part. I,
1: th- I would go with that assumption, too. I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's... I, and I think that's probably why they wanted to come and film and come in here. And and this guy has a, has a reputation, I think, for it at least being... Uh, fair and open you know in terms of uh not not saying that anything to do with rock and roll is of the devil so uh i don't think that there's a i, I think they came because they were interested to see how is he going to present us and uh that's part of what the book's about so what there's that you got okay my other one is um and you know maybe this is maybe i'm going to end up reading this i i Okay, I am reading it. <laughs> I'm reading it now. I'm reading it already. I've read some, I don't know, 25 pages already. It's just a mid two hundred 225-page book. Um, it's, this is called Only a Theory, Evolution and the Battle for America's Soul. It's written by Kenneth R. Miller, who is a professor of biology at Brown University.
0: So, um,
1: yeah, I guess this whole – and that's a lead-in. I no, was
0: going to say this opens the can on one of your favorite topics. Well, it's one of my favorite – <laughs> Not favorite <yeah>. topics, but <laughs> it's, it's just it's one, of those, one, one of You want to get Greg going. Ask him points. if he's seen any episodes of The Truth Project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a totally different situation. <laughs> oh, I thought this was related to that.
1: Well, it is. It is. There's um, episode five of The Truth Project is on science and particularly on evolution. But um, my introduction, just uh, by way of super brief reply to what you said, my introduction to The Truth Project, obviously, I mean, you kind of watch it through episodes one, two, three, four. Anyways, I watched episodes one, two, and either three or four before I saw five. I didn't didn't see all four of them. But the interesting thing is that the material that they covered in one and two – at least, is material that I am, you know, I'm, I'm intimately acquainted with. I spent, I've spent years studying some of this stuff. Um, uh, some, you know, uh, they, they touch on Maslow, whom I've used in my work. Uh, they do a lot on um, postmodernism, uh, which is just, I mean, I've got, wow, I'm just looking over at my bookshelf. Postmodernization. Uh, postmodern. Postmodernism and Christianity, Christianity and the Postmodern Turn, uh, Who's Afraid of Postmodernism? Each one of those books, incidentally, is written and or edited by a Christian. And so I'm, ju- I'm, just,
0: I'm just looking over. This is what I can read from where I stand. and There are more there. So, and The Truth Project, by the way, is that's a production of, is it Focus on the Family? or? Yeah. It's okay. And, Focus were, on the f- and they were doing this at the church you were attending at the time, as I recall. Yeah, I think this, that's how you became familiar with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a 2006 production, and I've heard I just I saw something very briefly that said that they're they're going to be presenting, or the lead presenter in this series, whose name is Dell Tackett, is going to be presenting, or uh, featured in another Truth Project like video series. Not sure if it's a follow up or if it's just. If this was more to do with the presenter sort of being uh, featured in another, I guess, focus on the family-sponsored video series. So, so yeah, I mean, I saw those, and and because I have a lot of background in with with some of these ideas, and uh, I was just immediately struck. And maybe you know, this is something I would really like to talk about too. This whole Truth Project thing, um, but it's I would really like to do it uh, justice. Um, I think Truth Project falls pretty, uh, well, I don't know how to say it, pretty high up on my scale of, 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 of disagreeable publications or pretty low down on the scale. I don't know how to, it's, it's not something I'm favorable towards at all. And, um, I, I would really want to offer some, some solid explanation. And you know what? I think this is a good point to just, if I could just take one minute I th- one of the things I think we've done really well and I've really been pleased about, I love when I bring something out and you're like, hmm, not too sure about that. And you push me. And I'm hoping that people are, are getting this sense that we're not here. Uh, certainly, I don't feel that we're here uh, to to push an agenda.
0: Or pat each other's backs. It may sound like that sometimes. Sometimes I'm afraid it sounds too much like that. No, I would say, yeah, if I don't agree with you where I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh, great point, Greg.
1: (laughs) No, you won't. You're going to come back. And you keep keep pushing me on some of the stuff, which is great. And it seems to me that we're not pushing an agenda so much as saying, you know, here's what we think and here's why. And here's why what we think, like the reasons we think this, we believe stack up better. Or at least, you know, when I'm trying to put it to you that way, I'm saying, here's why. What I use as my basis, my foundation for um, for holding the, the perspective that I do, here's what it is, and here's why I think it holds water. It measures up better than what the other perspective's basis is.
0: Yeah, I would <laughs> say – I like what you said about having an agenda though because I'm thinking, okay, do we have an agenda? Do I have an agenda? I I would say my the only agenda I'm conscious of – is is not being willing to swallow what i would consider i don't want to say ridiculous but that's kind of judgmental not not assenting to things that just don't make sense yeah and i feel like evangelical christianity is rife with a lot of that stuff that think even thinking of aw tozer and some of the there are certain things in evangelical Christianity that are just taken to be true because they're true. And yeah. and they can't be touched and they can't be questioned. And so if I have any agenda, it's to say, okay, I'm going to touch those things and I'm going to ask these questions and I'm not okay with just because someone makes an assertion because they're a pastor or because it's in a Bible study or because it's in a book that got published mm. that's about Christianity, to just assent to it or assume it's true or just say, yeah, well, it's in a book, it must be true. Yeah. That's, if yeah, if there's any agenda or something that gets me going, it's that. And that's what kind of set me off with Not a Fan was, no, I don't agree with this. This is in a book. It's by a well-known publisher. I think it's Zondervan. And it's got all these accolades on the back. But there's something wrong with this message. So what is, what's wrong with it? That's half of the battle. And then the other part mm-hmm. of it is, okay, well, if, if this message doesn't work, what is a message that is? So off yeah. my soapbox.
1: No, no, that's, that's really good. and You're right. And I guess, I guess, yeah, if I was to categorize my agenda, it's, it's that this whole focus on love and truth is the way to go. That we can have a whole bunch of different lenses. We can, we can say, you know, Christianity is just ridiculous, it's a lie. And, 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 and maybe, maybe it is untrue, right? I don't know that for certain. I don't, I don't have a divine perspective, nobody does. Um, or we can say, uh, you know, Christianity is all about, it's about God being angry and about us trying to work with that. And, and and i'm sure you know god does get angry and there are there 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 are instances and passages in in the biblical text that talk about that but again i don't think either of those things are ultimately the proper lens through which to understand christianity and ourselves as those who could either investigate it or pursue it and i think the lens is Love and truth. So that, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm totally dedicated to that as an agenda. I guess that that's, that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> you know, and when you said that about, when you said that about, you know, you want to, you don't want to believe in things that don't work or don't make sense. I was just reminded, this is at the beginning of Darren Hufford's, The Misunderstood God, the top of page 11. And I'm just going to just read this two sentences. We, and I think he's talking about Christians, we are constantly taught to deny the truth about the results and believe that something else will take place the next time around. And he's talking about when things don't work with our faith, we're constantly taught to, res- to deny that, the truth of the fact that it's not working. And, and his next sentence is, the things we put our faith in and preach to the world are clearly not working, yet we continue to act and talk as if they are. And of course, his, the, the, the title of that chapter is The Lies We Were Told. And uh, with the lie we were told. And I guess, yeah, when we find things that don't work, we want to say that. And we want to look into, you know, well, why doesn't this work? And, you know, what would work? And, you know, I think also we sometimes want to speculate about, well, why is somebody picking up on this? Why is somebody actually advocating this?
0: Well, and I think that what you just said, touched on there was just the fallacy of what faith is. In the first couple of chapters of Tozer, I was reading it this morning, mm-hmm. it, there's this emphasis on the idea that faith over reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, it was, it was almost the idea that you know, faith is the ability to overcome th- things that don't make sense to us. Like, ugh, that doesn't work.
1: Y- yeah, but you, you know too. And see, this is, this is why I love our discussions because you're pulling this stuff out and you're going, man, big problem. And as soon as you said this, said that, you know, faith over reason, we've got this very long history of that idea in Christianity. So Tozer's not the origin of that idea. That or, that idea started a long time ago, you know, um, and arguably there's this idea of faith seeking understanding, which is that I can't understand things about God until I first am willing to accept God by faith, which on the one hand sounds really good and reasonable. And on the other hand, uh, as you say, you know, no, faith doesn't make things that don't make sense. make makes sense.
0: It doesn't, <laughs> well you know,
1: like, like Darren, Darren says on the back of his books, you know, uh, uh, this is the, the, the big, in big bold, have you been lied to about God? And then right below that, could this be why the majority of Christians admit to being miserable and frustrated in their spiritual lives? Miserable and frustrated. And I do know a lot of people who are Christians who are, if you get down to it, are miserable or frustrated. You know, or they 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 sort of, uh, there's just big areas with fences around them. And those are areas they don't go into. They don't even think about that. You can ask them questions about, you know, their faith in, in regard to certain uh, contexts. And they just, you know, I, I remember my roommate, and this is back in university, my father and brother had just been killed in an automobile accident. So that was my father's fault, without any doubt. Um, you know, and there's a big lawsuit coming because he had killed two other people. He'd actually killed a father, uh, two par- uh, young young parents and, and orphaned their, their kids who were like, at that point, I think, 11 and 7. It was huge in my community, huge bad news. And... um, and I'd been at church, and it was a Sunday. It was just a couple months after the accident, and I'm there with my roommate. He's also a Christian. We're sitting in the kitchen, and I, I start talking to him. And I, you know, I'm 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 ranting. I've just lost my father and my brother. I am, to- I am just so angry. I'm so angry at my father. I am so, just cannot believe the choice that he would make. You know, uh, to have been drinking. This is a professional guy. He's got a big time, you know, accounting firm in, in, in Toronto. And he's a, you know, he's, he's, he's high profile in his, in his, uh, um, profession and all this other stuff. And, 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 uh, I'm going on and on and on about Christianity and God and in light of this event. And within about two, three minutes, my roommate just stops me and he says, Greg, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't listen anymore. I, I can't. I just, I have to believe, I just have to believe I can't, I can't deal with the stuff you're talking about. You know, and that's, that's one of those sort of cases. And it's obviously, it's an extreme case, right? I'm really, I'm bringing, bringing down the hammer pretty hard on some of what I think I later came to understand as really, like you say, things about Christianity that don't make sense, but you know, they're big deals. They're, they're deal breakers really.
0: And I'm, I'm, yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that there aren't certain parts of Christianity or, or God that we can't wrap our heads around. I'm, o- I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with, you know, one plus one equals three. If you have enough faith, I'm just, I'm <laughs> not okay with that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, no, I, I think, I think you're, I think you're, 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 I, I want to kind of wonder if I can nuance what you said just a little bit. I hear you about the one plus one equals three, and we're both there. And I guess I wonder, um, for me personally, the boundaries of the mysterious in terms of God, we need, to be, we need to be thoughtful and honest about what those are. And when people say things like, we cannot understand the love of God.
0: Yeah, that's I'm- totally, and this is totally where Tozer goes. And I, this was the yeah. interesting insight that I I thought it was insightful, was mm. he goes on and on about how we can't reclaim our our right standing with God until we realize how mysterious and un- understandable he is, that he's beyond us. And I think, okay, there is a point to, yes, we will never, never, never in our humanity fully understand God. I, don't, I never think that for a second. I feel like what's left open, and we've talked about it before, is, Whenever you get into a situation that you can't understand, you just push the mystery button.
1: Yeah, and that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, particularly on this subject, where uh, you know, understanding God's love is very different than, say, understanding God as being the only divine entity, understanding God's uniqueness, or understanding God's uh, uh, pervasiveness, the fact that God is everywhere. These are, these are things that um, – the, the two different categories of, of kind of, if you like, truth or truth claim about God. The one is in terms of God being the only divine entity and all other sort of gods being these sort of mock creations of you know, human perception or human desire. Um, that's in the kind of the absolute category. But when we talk about the idea of mystery when it comes to something that is personal and experiential, like you cannot understand – How do you understand love if you don't experience it? It's not a concept. It's not a cognitive category. It's a relational category. And so if that is mysterious to you, and if, hello, the number one sort of orientation for those who are in relationship with God is to love God with all you have. If love is the prime thing we've got, both in God as God is love, and there's some discussion there we could have with Tozer as well, but I won't go into that. Uh, and that we are to be oriented in love to God as our primary orientation, then if that's a mystery to you, man, you like up the creek with no paddle. I'm not sure how you're making it, right? You're just hoping the creek's going to take you the right way. <laughs> and I don't, who, who, who lives like that?
0: <laughs> who well, lives some, like that?
1: I guess some people do. I don't know. Well, I, and, and I, I would argue, I would argue that that's crazy living. Or I would ask those people, do you live like that in all the other areas of your life? Are you like that with your finances? Are you like that with how you treat and what you expect from your, uh, your marriage partner or your friends or your family? And my hunch is the answers would be no, certainly not in my finances. And no, certainly not in my relationships, because when I treat people like that, I tend to lose relationships. That's my hunch. Anyways, I'm going. I'm going down a trail here.
0: I'll stop myself. I'm stopping. So I totally, I was gonna say, led us astray. Took us down another path by mentioning you were talking about. You had another book or two on your desk, and then I mentioned. I think I took us off into the Truth Project. So, so take us back to the remaining books on your desk. <laughs> the Truth Project.
1: Well, the Truth Project. I, I, I. Let's let's let actually. Yeah. Let's let's put that on the. Let's put that on the desk. I. I think. Uh, I think if I had to say two books, and, and these are the two, the two pieces, the two books that I find to be, or maybe not books, one's a book, one's a DVD series, that I find to be the most problematic. I think if, if these are the way we are informing ourselves about Christianity, um, we are bound to run into what I think will be huge problems in terms of its disjunction, a dislocation, a disconnect between real life. And how I work my finances, work my ex- work my relationships with other people, uh, work my social life, work my job life, everything everything I do in all the realm of my existence versus my faith and if we think that things are supposed to be like that, I would just say, first of all, try it, try it and see what it's like right i I personally believe I believe deeply in the notion that Jesus came to give us life and give it to us abundantly, and that that abundant life flows out of my faith into my work life, my, my, my family life, etc., and it flows back from my family life that has been informed and seasoned by that Christian notion, by some of those deep, deep, deep understandings that relate in my mind, in my experience, predominantly to love and truth. They may involve mercy and justice and all those things, but the, the, the header notions there, the top level notions on the tree are like love and truth. But the, there's a deep and vibrant interplay. So I would say the two books that I think will most cause rupture and disjunction will cause disunity between what it is to live as a human being and how we are supposed to view our Christianity. These two things, uh, at some point, I'd like to touch. And uh, they are hot buttons for me. I'll, I'll admit it right off. Because they, they make this rupture so clean, right? And they make it so difficult. And I think what they're doing is they're contorting people. It's almost putting Christians in torturous positions, Expecting them to have their faith look like one thing and the rest of their lives look like another thing. And for me, that's just evidence that God is some sort of – God don't work. God's not there. God is some sort of crazy addition onto real life that you should get rid of. I think that – and my – the reason also, obviously, that they're hot buttons is that Christianity that is like that is, I think, very, very unlike the Christianity I read about in the Bible – where I see Jesus and I see how he's acting and I see that, you know, um, there's a, there's a draw there. I don't think there's any draw. I think that that is a repelling way of being in the world and it repels people and it takes the beauty and the wonder and the incredible possibilities that are there within Christianity, which is relationship with God. And it, it, it dampens them and it makes them into some, these little tiny things we put on the the table with a, Sort of bow around them. We say, "Isn't that fantastic?" No, it's not. So, so what those are the books. <laughs> well, the, one, the one is the Truth Project, and I and and I can't. You know, the uh, one is the Truth Project. The other is Experiencing God by Blackaby.
0: Ooh, now wait, wait. Did you mm-hmm. finish? Did you finish talking about the the uh, evolution book that you were mentioning? Um, probably. I mean, Kenneth Miller. He's
1: a he teaches at Brown, which is a prominent university. And I think he's done a good job breaking out. You know what? What the basically what the stakes are, what's involved, what we're looking at. He's not trying to make a uh, a huge case for. Uh, you know, I've have, I've have other books that are that are trying to make a, a big case for evolution, and they're just tearing down the opposition. And I think he does a very good job at. Holding up the opposition and saying this is the the these are some of the other perspectives in in their at their best, and then he'll contrast it with how he sees evolution, and he'll highlight you know if he thinks there's a misunderstanding here um he'll bring that out so yeah that's that's been that's a book i'd like to get to
0: okay and, and the then wrap and then, ra- and then uh, a little on Blackaby and we should probably wrap it for two thousand and thirteen.
1: Blackaby in sixty seconds or Uh, (laughs) less—is that possible? uh, Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Man, I've, 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 I haven't been blogging much recently, and I've got a huge backlog of material almost ready to go out. But the the only thing that I've really kind of put myself down on in terms of, or put down on my blog, uh, recently is this post about didacticism, and I think that. Um, Blackaby's approach is is enormously questionable. I think it's. I think it's. Well, okay. I I'll I have to be honest. I think it's enormously harmful. I think taking on the approach, this kind of work based approach, and um, this kind of you know I've got to be working for God sort of approach, is very very dangerous. I think it's incorrect. I think what it does is it motivates us to hold a certain orientation towards God because we believe that God wants us to be doing something in order, almost in order for us to be in right relationship with God. The only thing God wants us to be doing to be in right relationship with God is to be in right relationship with God. Love God
0: with all that you are.
1: That'll you know, be interesting
0: because you mentioned this a few weeks ago and I, I had that book on the shelf too. I hadn't looked at it and. Oh my goodness, 12, 13 years. And I flipped through uh, it and I didn't, I, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't setting off the alarm bells for me. So that, maybe that will be a chapter by chapter book. Uh, I don't know. Well, it'd be interesting. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know that I see it coming up anytime too, too soon, but, but if we could get into it, I think it would probably be, yeah, a good talk.
0: Okay. Happy New Year. And to you. Well, there you have it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so leave a comment on iTunes or over at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 15. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are released or other news, subscribe to our mailing list, also available on the right sidebar of the website. We welcome your questions, comments, or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made available by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thanks to Kevin for his generosity. Support him at his website by going to Incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot Tune in next week for a new episode.